Welcome to Ahead of the Curve, a breakout investors podcast. In this episode, Aaron Warwick interviews Ross Taylor of ARS Investment Partners. First, a disclaimer from Ross. ARS Partners is a registered investment advisor. All investment and financial opinions expressed by me on this call are in any investment matters are the result of our research and our experience and are intended here as educational material, offering insight into how we think and operate. All best efforts have been made to ensure that all information we have relied on is accurate and up to date. Unintended errors may occur. Our content is intended to be used for informational and educational purposes only, and thus we believe that it's very important that before making any investment decision based on information given in this call, you should do your own analysis. Additionally, we reserve the right to trade in or out of any security we talk about without notifying those listening to the call in the due course of our business. Hey, Ross, thanks for joining us again. Uh, this time to talk about intrusion, ticker symbol INTZ. I'll just give a, a, a bit of a, b- a brief background uh, on the company before I turn it over to you and where we're at now and why that we think this is such an interesting opportunity. But the company's been around for decades. Long story short, the past few decades, they've been doing uh, cybersecurity work, uh, primarily uh, with the government, have high security clearances. But most of the work that they had been doing was consulting type work. So uh, not necessarily the highest margin, not necessarily highly repeatable business. But uh, during the course of that business, the company had also been keeping a database of Internet traffic and uh, has come up with uh, some proprietary formulas, algorithms to basically uh, catalog that, to search through it, and now created a product that is a more um, SaaS style product that's not, doesn't involve so much consulting is something that can uh, be used more uh, widely commercially. Uh, the company had started to talk about this a couple of years ago. Uh, the CEO, longtime CEO co-founder died a couple of years ago. Uh, the new CEO that was brought in um, talked a big game. Uh, I, you know, misled investors. I think that's quite fair to say. Stock did well um, during that time for for quite a while, and then and then when it became apparent that what he was trying to sell and the way he was trying to sell it wasn't working, uh, he ended up leaving. Uh, so I guess you would say in disgrace, the stock price crashed, and I think a lot of us sort of gave up on the company. Thought maybe you know this product must not be legit and so forth. And and I think understandably so that investors walked away. But then what really got me interested, you know, a huge surprise to me is that the company ended up bringing in a new CEO. His name is Tony Scott. And why I say that surprised me is because when I went and looked at his uh, CV, I mean, it was basically what the previous CEO wanted to be and and projected to be. But in this case, it was real. Um, And so just a quick background on that. Tony Scott has been Chief Technology Officer at GM, uh, CIO at Microsoft, at VMware, Walt Disney, and then the federal CIO for a few years under the Obama administration, uh, took some time off, started a consulting company, uh, did uh, different consulting work through that company, through some other organizations, and then uh, eventually now he he landed at Intrusion. And so thinking, you know, wow, there really is something here and in talking to Tony and, and seeing some of the progress that the company has made as it relates to certain resellers and 
certain uh, smaller level partnerships, it does seem that there is actually something unique about their product, which is called Shield. And, and with that, I'll kind of turn it over to you, Ross, uh, to get your take on the company right now. Yeah, I, I think you've done a great job of summing it up. I think that it's a company that has, we had originally looked at it because of the work they were doing in DOD at, at DOD, and we felt that that work had the ability to be expanded into the commercial space. The one thing we are confident of is that in spite of the billions of dollars spent in cybersecurity every year and the huge amount of money that's capitalizing in these companies, is that no one has a solution yet in the marketplace that's widely used that really seems to, to work and seems to shut down all the negative aspects of things. We were intrigued because one of the things that Intrusion's abilities had was the ability to detect and as Shield was developed, shut down or limit the flow of information out of an organization. The concept of the idea and the old CEO I always felt was, uh, my personal opinion, I always felt it, I felt like I was standing at the back of the wagon and the guy was selling the snake oil. But I do remember that, you know, Dr. Pepper and others started out perhaps as elixirs. So it doesn't mean because he's selling the snake oil, it doesn't work. Um, was right. that he had that idea of shut down the flow out, restrict the ability, you know, of, of bad actors to get in. Every, a lot of people try to do that, but what's really important is eliminate the ability or, or constrain the ability of information to flow out. And that, we think, makes this somewhat unique or very unique. We hear a lot of people talk to us. We've had people say, oh, I do that, I do that. But in reality, when you push them, it doesn't actually appear that they do do that. And and what intrusion has is decades, as you indicated, of bad URLs, bad IP addresses and things of that nature. And it finds that, and it does have the ability to restrict information. So when someone gets into your system to steal it, like the Chinese, uh, you know, Chinese make a significant effort to steal industrial IP, aerospace defense IP and the like. Um, so much so that I've been told stories about if you, some people design dead ends into, into uh, products or, or chips or things of that nature it serves no absolute purpose and yet when they find that when it, it gets stolen and the Chinese just you know say we didn't steal it but in fact or the Russians we didn't steal it but the exact dead end it shows up there I've never seen this but I've been told this by people who you know are involved in this so uh, what the intrusion product does is is it restricts that that makes it exceptionally valuable if that is the case, we've seen it as a layer on, and we think the end game is that likely someone who's a major player in cybersecurity would want to take this product and add it as a component to a more extensive cybersecurity suite. And that, that, as I said, literally could be the type of thing that could be a major break in the marketplace. The offset to that is it hasn't taken off yet. We're not quite sure why. We looked at it thinking that it should be something that really takes off. Tony came in, you know, he originally, from my understanding, conversations with them, they were looking at it as something uh, they might want to make an investment in. But instead, he actually joined the company. As you highlighted, his resume says, why is this guy at this company? That alone makes it, yeah. a bit, you know, when you see someone who does that, you figure that, that you know, they're either on a, a reclamation tour of their career or they found something really interesting 
And since Tony didn't have any need to reclaim a career, he'd never made any missteps or anything of that nature. It said to me, to us, that there's really something here. This is a guy who has a lot more resources than we will ever have in the cyberspace. And the fact that his people, and he said, this is a product that's viable enough that I want to put my name on it, said something. Yeah. Yeah. And to your point, so, I mean, definitely not a reclamation product project for him. I, I think what it is, uh, is an opportunity to actually run a company himself. So that's something, you know, he had never been the CEO. Uh, obviously, he was in an important role. He's in the C-suite at these high high level companies. But this is an opportunity to 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 actually run a company and, and to really grow a company. I think it maybe scratches a sort of entrepreneurial itch that Tony mm-hmm. has had. And, you know, I, I would push back, I guess, a little, I, I, although I think you're ultimately going to agree with me, you know, like, why has the product not gone anywhere yet to speak of? And so a couple of things I want to mention on that front, uh, and, and you sort of alluded to this, uh, but, you know, the, the previous CEO of Intrusion after uh, Ward Paxton, the, the co-founder, passed away, uh, the previous CEO really overpromised. I mean, he made it seem as though Intrusion was the end-all, be-all. And the company is not promising that now. And I, I think no. this is much more realistic. Nobody can can do that. Uh, but to that point, I want to mention that, you know, the company uh, last year uh, mentioned that they had in, installed with uh, a company in the hospitality industry and that they had shut down a, a what ended up being a huge ransomware attack that after they shut it down at the university ended up, or excuse me, at the uh, hospitality industry ended up hitting a university. Well, I, you know, ended up reaching out to the company. They reached out to the uh, company that um, sold the product to this hospitality uh, group. I was able to, I, I don't want to disclose, you know, can't disclose the name of, of the specific hotel. Uh, but I talked to the, talked to them about, what happened and and everything checked out and that's when i said you know this is real i mean they have a real product here they stopped this ransomware attack that ended up then hitting the college and i verified that as well there's all sorts of news articles about the college Mm -hmm. getting hit by this attack Uh, but what i want to get back to is that i think because of tony and because of his pedigree and because of that early success and they they have had some success so i kind of want to point out a, a, a couple of things number one and, and Tony mentioned this, you know, their go-to-market strategy wasn't the best because it involves selling hardware. And so one yeah. of the things that Tony did is end up producing Shield for the cloud and, and endpoint where you don't have to install it, this product in your in your uh, database. So that's yeah. one thing. But the and bigger you didn't have to install it physically inside all your barriers. That's another yes. issue that right. the old product had was it was effectively inside the castle walls. And that right. made a lot of cybersecurity professionals nervous because to even try it. Yeah, yeah. To even try it. Right. To even try it. And and now with the cloud product and the like, it's they've they've addressed that. I have not I we do not have an extensive list of people we have talked to who have used it, but the people we have talked to and the and the like and the people who we have, have talked to who like you have talked to other people, I've yet to encounter someone who has told me they actually don't think it's a really cool, interesting, valuable product. Right. Let's get back to that just a minute because I want to add something to that. But before I do, I want to just sort of, I think that overall the company is so on track for what Tony envisioned, even though there was a lot of excitement because of this early movement. 
that we saw with Tony, the company still on. So 2022 really was a reset year yeah. for the company. Tony really had to clean up the company. There was an SEC issue, you know, that they're getting cleared up. And if it's not already all the way cleared up, they they had to get the right people in place and new people in place. So they, they really uh, changed the way that they were staffed, that they changed the way that they're going to market uh, to give themselves better opportunities. They had to develop the, the cloud and the endpoint and fix mm -hmm. some technical issues that were uh, existent when Tony got there. And so they've now done all of that. And so and they had 20, to change a lot of people too. Yeah. Yeah. The other, so 20, the other guy brought in a lot of, a lot of people who ended up having no real right. bottom line value to the company. And so 2023 should really be the year that we should see some growth and, and 2020 and then the end of the year and, and 2024, I think will be, you know, real serious monetization. But as it relates to, you know, what you said about talking to people that use this product, what's interesting is that the company had said, and, and I think this is one thing that hurt them at the end of last year as well, is that it, Tony had indicated that they expected to sign a major strategic partnership. They, they eventually expect to sign two to three of these. And he thought they would land one by the end of the year. And that mm -hmm. didn't happen. He explained on the on the last conference call, I believe it was in November, why that didn't happen. My understanding is that, uh, well, there's two things that are of importance. Number one is that Tony had sort of focused on three different large companies that where he obviously had connections. He thought they would fit in well. The Shield product would fit in well with what they're offering is sort of like you mentioned, perhaps an add on to what they already offer. But Tony has started uh, reaching out, I believe, to other players in, in the cybersecurity space because, you know, they haven't fin finalized any any deals with those. So he's not going to just rely on those three. He's he's mm -hmm. reaching out. And what I think what they're finding when they reach out is that companies initially say, oh, yeah, yeah, we do what you do. And Tony starts saying, well, you do this, do you do that. And, you know, after about two or three minutes of questioning, they start to say, well, wait a second. Yeah, we don't do what you're doing, you know? Yeah. So there, he is finding that, that I believe that, that there is um, some value here, that there is some add on potential here. Uh, but and then, I, and I, and I think to what you're talking about, one of the big things I think that has dogged this stock, if you recall, it was a $5 stock back going into, you know, when they reported numbers back in, in the right. fall and Everyone was expecting, he had told us he was going to get us a, you know, a deal, something, and it did not happen. When that did not happen, this is a company that does need to raise, it does need to raise some level of capital. But what I'm watching them do is they're not raising a lot of capital at one time. And one part of me would love to see them do that. I'd actually love to see them get a strategic in and give them 10 or $20 million, which would carry them to where they are well profitable. However, they haven't done that, but what they are doing is they're basically raising a month's capital at a time, and they're raising it into a tight group of investors, people who they know are going to, if they're new or old, that they know are going to be holders, not traders. And so a lot of people have been sitting back, have gotten frustrated, have kind of given up on the name because I've heard this story, I've heard this story, I, you know, and it hasn't happened back to my waiting for Godot. We're sitting on the beach and we're going, wait, where's the damn boat? And the boat hasn't arrived. But everything you're picking up says the product works, that the demand is there, and that in many ways that you just need to crack the dam and then it will burst. 
And I think that, you know, we're in that stage where if our read is correct, we're very close to that dam getting cracked. I'll be honest, every morning I come in, one of the first things I do when I turn on my Bloomberg is I look to see whether I have four bars next to the INTZ symbol. Because mm -hmm. if we get an announcement from a major player or an international player or something of this nature, and we start to have them fall together two, three, four in a row fairly quickly, or it gets to be someone we can then say, wow, this guy actually has a universe of, of opportunity inside his own union, inside his own business or the like. This thing can come very quickly because it does have the SaaS model. So it can, you know, it doesn't take a lot of money coming over the, you know, into the business to make it a viable, you know, self-funding business. And once it gets to that level, quite honestly, it shouldn't be trading at the three level. It should be trading, I would think, you know, five, six dollars a share, even if it only gets one or two what appear to be modest contracts because they'll take away that need to, to finance every three or four months. And then you'll see, I would think, you'll see a stream of new business if the product is what it appears to be to us. Yeah, and my understanding is that, you know, we could see a news on this any, you know, any day and in, in, with respect to the fact that on the last conference call, you know, they mentioned uh, how many opportunities they have outstanding. And then obviously, I think that was around November 15th or something. Obviously, mm -hmm. you enter into Thanksgiving and Christmas, New Year season, and not a lot happens. And so, yeah. you know, and I don't know, I, I, I don't know what their strategy is going to be in terms of when they issue press releases on on winning business. You know, I know, I know that they want to walk a fine line between keeping investors informed and, and also not you know, I think they felt under the previous uh, regime, so to speak, that, you know, there's a press release for everything, even if it wasn't even necessarily material mm -hmm. yet. So they're they're walking a fine line there. But I, I would think at least by the time we get to, you know, March and, and the next conference call, there should be one would expect that that there's going to be some significant wins based upon the pipeline that they talked about in November. Yeah. What's your read on that? I think I believe, as you said, I as I said, I come in every day hoping to see that first press release because I think that once you see the first, you will have kind of a proof of concept again. You'll show that there is, to me, this product works. From what I've been able to pick up, I, you know, I believe they could sell this business for more than it's trading at today. You know, it's at least been the inference of what, when you talk to people in the space and, you know, that might've looked at this business. I think mm -hmm. it's worth more than the, three dollars, three and a half dollars it's trading at. I do think that there is a, are a number of potential contracts out there that seem to be held up for whatever reason. And one of the things that I think is important, and I believe Tony referenced this on a call, was that as important as you think this product is, it's really important to an intrusion shareholder, to us as intrusion shareholders, However, it's not necessarily the thing that moves the needle in the C-suite of the company, in part because people have invested a lot of money in, in you know, cybersecurity. And it's kind of, you don't want to really go in and go back to your boss and say, I know we spent a fortune on this stuff, but what we really have has huge gaps in it. And, right. and so, but we need to do this. And this isn't going to be costly, but I think to people do it. So I think once you start to see it, you'll get the proof of concept. You'll get the idea that it works in the marketplace. And once you start to think it works in the marketplace, I believe that this becomes a very different investment story. 
What have you been hearing lately, if anything, as it relates to these strategic partnerships that, you know, as mentioned, it was, we, we thought, you know, last year there was going to be one, uh, there wasn't, but um, what are you hearing now? Anything heating up on that front? Yeah, we believe that the, from what we're hearing is that the opportunities continue to be buried live, that as you said, he's, he started to put out a broader net. We ourselves have argued that they should perhaps be a little bit more aggressive. Tony is the opposite of Jack Blunt, who was his predecessor. Jack Blunt was appropriately named and was very, you know, he was a great marketer. In fact, I've talked to one large longtime holder who says he misses the days of Jack Blunt because at least there was excitement and energy in the name. Tony is, <laughs> yeah, and Tony is very calm and he's, and he's, to a fault. So, you know, in some ways, we we talk about a lot of managements and CEOs and how difficult they are. The hard thing about getting through with Tony is getting Tony to actually, I think, be as upbeat publicly as sources I talk to indicate that he is privately. And that with these opportunities and last year being kind of a lost year for a lot of these tech companies, a lot of people pumped a lot of money into into kind of you know, moonshot uh, venture cap, late stage venture cap. I consider this like stage three venture cap, really, which is they've got a product, they've got some revenues, the product appears to work. And it, the question is, you know, is it uh, VCR or Betamax? And it might be the best quality product out there, but if they can, you know, they just got to prove there's a market for it. I think last year, those strategic players were really more looking and you've seen it recently cutting costs and things of that nature that's made it probably a little harder for them to push forward on something like this but i do think once again you only need one and i think that you know we will see that one i don't see why not and in fact quite honestly going back to my days when i was you know at a, a hedge fund if, if i was back at that shop i'd be arguing we should be the financing and we should basically Kind of take this because this this property does have the ability you could go back when the stock was fading at 25 or 30 and you could build the model out and say why that was not a stupid price right. you know, it was it was given what was happening but it wasn't given the space and the valuation well what maybe we can close on this it's something that i don't think very many people have talked about or realized yet it, it, there was an article that came out in on a website called itbrew.com uh, January 20th, but the SEC, uh, it, there's some a proposal that would require public companies to openly report serious cyber attacks, as well as explain who on their uh, board of directors is responsible for for overseeing that. And and it was described here by uh, one person as a tectonic shift in how corporate boards treat cybersecurity and it, mm -hmm. and it sounds like this is going to sort of light a fire under um, some of these, especially some of these larger companies, as you s sort of mentioned, maybe they're hesitant to bring up that there are gaps in, in their cybersecurity, but uh, because they don't want to look like they did a bad job and what they've already done, but this could sort of bring some things yeah. to the forefront and uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, you're touching on something that I think is very important. The problem is very real. It's very costly. I know last, uh, we had an investment that ended up, it actually company got taken out at a nice premium, but before it got taken out at a nice premium, they lost 
a week or two weeks of production because of a ransomware attack. It was highly costly to the mm-hmm. business, far more costly than this type of, you know, taking on this you know, a, a, a shield product ever would have been. I think there's a lot more of this than we see or realize. I believe that everything I picked up, this product, as you touched on it, you know, with the case in, in uh, you know, South Carolina, or the Carolinas, this product does detect and deter and shut down these these initiatives. And I think that as you raise the profile cost and the economic cost, it will compel people to be more proactive in defending against it, which is why my thought in the end is you'll likely see either someone acquire the company to fold it into their suite or work a, a, a contract or deal with these guys that lets them fold it into their suite of protection. I've always thought that that to me is the natural outcome for this game. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the major players in this industry, when you look at their valuations, even today, you see that, that this, if you could extend this, if you could, if, if someone gets a significant edge against their peers and can demonstrate that to their, to their clients, the value this can add to a major player in cybersecurity is astronomical compared to the market cap of intrusion. Yeah, and and maybe I'll just close on this, that my understanding has been that uh, the companies that they've, you know, sort of been in, in various stages of talks with, and, and again, obviously nothing has, has been closed on that, but I think there is a possibility that it could happen you know, sometime this year, at least yeah. with one of, if not more. But we're talking about companies whose market cap is in the hundreds of billions of dollars. So uh, very large players in this space. And again, yeah. with Tony's pedigree, his background, it, that, you know, doesn't come as a big surprise to me. Yeah. So, yeah. I've always liked to describe this as a little bit like when you don't have a job or you don't have a, you know, a girlfriend and you you can't get one, you can't get one, you can't get one. And then suddenly someone offers you a job or you meet someone and next thing you know, they you just have a wealth of opportunity. And I think that <laughs> that's kind of where we're at. I mean, it's I, I look at that as I said, every day, you know, it's frustrating. It's very frustrating. And you see it in the stock price. So people walk in and they, you know, the volume has has collapsed and and you know, you see people sell it really without much discipline, again, because they've kind of given up on the story. But these uh-huh. are the types of stories that I, through my career, have found and bought, and they are what has allowed me to have a nearly 40-year career, including 12 mm-hmm. years at a major hedge fund investing in you know, effectively micro and small cap equities, which is mm-hmm. usually not a recipe for career longevity in the hedge fund. Well, Ross, thank you for your time talking with us about intrusion and, and appreciate appreciate that and we look forward to future podcasts with you as well that's great thank you thank, thank you some or all the speakers may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast the views in this podcast expressed are those of the speakers not break investors this podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions Neither Bracken Investors nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty expressed or implied as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information presented by this podcast and any liability, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, therefore is expressly disclaimed. No one on this podcast is an investment advisor, known as providing investment advice. Before investing in any company's stock, you must do your own research. Thank you for listening.